Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh, frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now- Hello, heaters. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat, presented as always by Manscaped. And thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you fine people. I'm Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my equanimous co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please be sure to find us on Twitter. Check out the show there at Half Street High Heat and find us at the website as well at halfstreethighheat.com for all the latest articles, Nat's analysis, all kinds of good stuff. How you guys doing? How was your weekend? I had a really, really funny joke for that word, but I'm afraid I don't think either of you would get the joke and I'm afraid it wouldn't hit you know, that large of an audience. So I kind of just feel disappointed because what was the word? Equinimous? Equinimous. Equinimous. And I was going to say, oh, Equinimous St. Brown. He's a wide receiver in the Packers, but that's just, it's too deep of a of joke. So I just spent, you know, this 30 seconds explaining a joke <laughs> that I wasn't going to tell that I inevitably told. So, you know, that that's how you're right. Going. I didn't get it at all. So right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryan, did you get that at all? I get everything. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'm the disappointment then because I didn't get it. Well, maybe most of our audience will also be disappointing to you and not get it. I mean, it either. depends if you're talking to my mother or not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so how was your weekend, guys? What did you get up to? Oh, God, it was the weekend. <laughs> it was the weekend. I, every day is just the same. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize it was the weekend. <laughs> I'm just waking um, up and going back to sleep until I die. There's all- 
for me, it's just like I'm coaching baseball every single day. So it's like, you know, it's it's not even, you know, weekdays and weekends or work days and off days. It's like days I coach baseball and days I don't. And right now I coach baseball every day. So well, it, it is could be worse. Is. There are worse ways to spend your days. It's hot as hell, man. It is we, really we had a game hot. at 9 a.m. and I was like, all right, we're going to be out. Uh, you know, before it gets too hot and, you know, 945 rolls around and I am dying. Yeah, it was a really humid day today, which made the heat even early in the day feel really nasty. And uh, I'm going to the game on Thursday. Awesome. And of course, that's like the last of the 90 degree, 90 whatever degree days. And Friday is supposed to be like a high of 79. And I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I decide to go to the, the Friday game? Day. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should go. We've been talking about trying to get down there maybe in the next week or so. I have to look at the weather and figure it out. Yeah, I just wanted to hit one of the Dodgers games. Yeah, the last game, time you saw them live play the Dodgers, it was pretty awesome. This is true. This is actually <laughs> true. I, I honestly, Quite honestly, it was just a coincidence. It was just like I wanted to, to see them play the Dodgers. I hadn't been yet this year. I'm off from baseball, so let me hit a game. But of course, it's the Dodgers, and you know, things happen when I'm at Nats games when they play the Dodgers. So you think you know, Hendricks gonna hit a grand slam? So for you know anyone listening that engages in some you know good old fashioned legal sports gambling, hammer the Nats on Thursday because I will be there. Mm-hmm. The good luck charm against exactly against the Dodgers. God, we're gonna get smoked. <laughs> I know. I have the anxiety about the next little stretch, but we'll get to that. We'll yep. get to that. Ryan, would you like to regale us with uh, tales of your weekend? Yes. Um, I'm with Nick. It was really hot. I don't really remember much from the weekend, to be honest with you. Um, the weekend that we're still yeah, up I, right I, now. I, I, I literally <laughs> forgot it was the weekend. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I did. I was going to go. I, I might go to the game on Friday. Might go to the game on Thursday. I don't know yet. A lot of things are up in the air. Just like trying to figure out what day it is. Yeah, well, there you go. My weekend was very busy, as they usually are, because I work a lot on the weekends. And then we dropped Sebastian, my second oldest, off at camp today for two weeks. So he's gone, which feels a little bit weird, not having him at home. And the little kids love him to pieces, so they miss him very much. So I've got that going on, and uh, yeah, just kid stuff. It was uh, It was a busy, hot, sticky weekend with lots of outdoor time which honestly i could live without in this kind of heat i you know i grew up in this area so i should be used to it but i feel like the older i get the less i enjoy the really hot humid days and it's only june i mean it's gonna be so much worse in july and august yeah you know at the start of the pandemic um when you know there there was the the joke going around saying it's march then it's march one then it's hot march one hot march two now it's now it's like the weeks it's like okay it's monday hot monday one hot monday Uh two and it's just like it just keeps going going and then you get to you know hot friday two which is today or no maybe this is hot pre pre monday something something like that yeah sunday's a pre monday that's basically what it comes down to sundays are hard to enjoy because it's going to be monday so soon right unless football's on 
then well, then it's at least delayed until halftime of the Sunday night football game. And then the and Sunday then you, scaries come in. And then you realize you have school the next day and it just it sucks. Wow, this sounds like trauma being expressed right now. <laughs> it really is. Anyone <laughs> anyone who was a nineties baby can relate to that halftime of a Sunday night football game just hits you different because you know you have school the next morning. Yeah. Yeah, that hasn't changed. I don't think it's it's uh, specific to '90s babies, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they weren't showing Sunday night football when you were in high school. So I don't know that you. Well, I just mean Sundays in general, not Sunday night football specifically. Well, that's what I was talking about. Okay, you want to get into the quick pitch? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So I have one I did not share with my colleagues before. Uh, uh, you know, b- before we started recording, but it ties into our interview today, which we will tease a little bit later. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Yes, just like um, just like. Oh, I, was, I was trying. I was trying to think of the food I was going to compare it to. Um, <laughs> cereal cere- soup. Cereal soup. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow, you guys are like mind melded. I mean, Amanda, you said no. So, so what? What defines a sandwich? To me, a sandwich is like a burger is a very specific thing. A hot dog is a very specific thing. A sandwich is something that is not it's it's a broader category that does not include other things that are in their own very specific categories does that make sense so a hamburger is you know bread with meat around it but it's its own very specific category hamburgers everybody knows what a hamburger is if you say you've got a hamburger you know that like a turkey club and a hamburger are two different things but within the sandwich category burgers don't qualify hot dogs don't qualify things that are not members of their own specific category are what go into sandwiches for me. Allow me to retort. I was at a restaurant today and the portion of the menu said burgers and sandwiches. So they always they, but see, they had to specify yeah. the two things because everybody, if you put sandwiches and then you put burgers in that section, well, that's be because like a, a meat lover, like it's because I am, wants to know where the burgers are. So right. they're just making it, you know, easier for my dumb, dumb brain to find what right, I want. But if they had just had a section on the menu that said sandwiches, would you have looked for burgers there? Yes. If I didn't find burgers every, everywhere if else, yes, I would have. you didn't find burgers anywhere else, but that's my point, is you don't think of a burger as a sandwich. Yes, I, I do. expect it to be in its own category. Burgers are literally a sandwich. A sandwich, it's the like definition a, of a sandwich is two pieces of bread and a filling in the middle. It's a that's square, a it's the square rectangle argument. A squ- a, wait, hold on. I can I, do this. I a rectangle is a square, but a square is not a rectangle. No, no, a rectangle is not a square. A square... Okay, but you know what I meant. I did know what you meant, but you literally <laughs> said it exactly wrong. Yep. <laughs> I do know exactly Helping what you cause. mean. <laughs> so anyway, to me, a hot dog is not a sandwich. It is, this is a subjective question, obviously, and the topic of much heated debate over the years. But to me, if something is clearly in its own category, then you don't refer to it as a sandwich. You just don't. There's a reason why if you looked on a menu at a restaurant for hot dogs, you wouldn't look in the sandwich section. You wouldn't expect to find it there because it isn't a sandwich. And I just don't that. know many restaurants that have hot dogs, though. That's if true. anything, but they're if in you the went kid, to a, kids' yeah, menu. If you, yeah, typically they are. But if you went to a restaurant that did have hot dogs, they would have a section for hot dogs, and they would have a section for burgers, and they would have a section for sandwiches because they aren't the same. It just thing. sounds like a lot of work. I feel like they would all be just be under entrees. Yeah, isn't a hot dog an entree? I suppose it could be. I mean, if some, you're a toddler. 
if you're going to a game, some people just like their hot dogs. Yeah, that's true. They do that. have at the hot dogs place. They do have right. some pretty fancy schmancy dogs. But exactly. to me, no, it is not a sandwich. To answer the quick pitch question, no, I think you, can, you're, you can split hairs and, and argue semantics and all of that, but everybody knows that it's not a sandwich because you don't even consider it. You, you'd say they have hot dogs, hamburgers, and sandwiches. Nobody would say, oh, they have sandwiches and expect to find hot dogs and hamburgers there. What are your go-to toppings for a hot dog? Yeah. I, you're it, ketchup and mustard. That's my hot dog toppings. I'm not interested in a bunch of crap. I, I, those, I'm fine with that. Doesn't yeah, I me. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I understand that they are good, and my husband loves the Bon Me dog, especially at Nats Park, and they're good. I've tasted it. It's just to me, I like. I, I'm a hot dog purist. I want it to taste like a hot dog. I don't even like relish on it. I got into a relish phase there for a little bit because it just added a little bit of something different. But do I need it? No. And does it really elevate the hot dog? No. It's just like something different. Ketchup yeah. and mustard is a staple. I feel like it's extraneous, though. Like, yeah, ketchup and mustard is all I need on a hot dog. I don't right. want it plain because it's too boring. I actually like just yellow mustard, although I actually had a hot dog at my brother's house today when I was over there, and they didn't have any yellow mustard, and I used a Dijon horseradish mustard, and that was pretty good. Ugh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could go that far. I would eat a hot dog plain before I, like, venture out into the world of mustards because I'm not a big mustard guy. It took me a while to get into just yellow mustard, and really that's only for hot dogs. What do you do when you get a soft pretzel? Uh, well, usually... Do you I dip just, it in mustard? I mean, usually there's, like, some sort of cheese if I'm getting a pretzel. Oh, I'm very much a mustard person for for pretzels yeah ryan you big hot dog guy not a big hot dog guy um i, I thought i thought so if there's chili and cheese on it i will eat it but i'm not a big hot dog guy unless it's for a special occasion which is like the weekend and speaking of the weekend there's a lot of baseball this weekend the mariners hector santiago was the first pitcher to be ejected during a check on sticky substances his glove was taken away in a bag in case you're wondering what happens to whatever has substance on it so congratulations to mr santiago you now have a 10-day paid vacation houston astros led the way with seven mlb all-star game finalists vlad jr has 50 home runs in his first 258 games that's the exact amount that his dad vlad senior had as well the cubs threw a combined no hitter which was the seventh no hitter in baseball this year the giants walked off for a mlb leading 50th win of the year pirates prospect craniac goes five perfect innings in his mlb debut that was overshadowed by kebron hayes making one of the greatest plays in recent history seriously if you haven't seen it please look it up it's absurd um fernando tatis jr says he will not take part in the home run derby he said he wants to make sure he is healthy in the second half and make a playoff push Trey Mancini accepted MLB's inv invitation to partake in the home run derby as MLB really needs a feel-good story right now. Otani is the fastest Angel player ever to 25 home runs in a season. To the NL East, in fifth place are the 33 and 44 Marlins. They split with the Nats, uh, excuse me, split with the Nats. Up next, the Phillies. In fourth place are the 36 and 39 Phillies who had the biggest blown opportunities of the weekend. Their starting pitching was beyond dominant. Nola tied Seavers' record with 10 straight strikeouts, but the bullpen collapsed all weekend long. So instead of sweeping the Mets and being one game back, they split and they're still five games back. In third place are the 37 and 40 Braves. They split with the Reds as well. 
But the most devastating news is Mike Soroka suffered a complete re-rupture of his Achilles walking in the clubhouse. He's out for the rest of 2021, and now the future of his career is in jeopardy as well. Up next for the Braves are the Mets. In second place are the 37 and 38 Nats. More on them in a moment. In first place are the 40. That's right. Annalise has a 41 team, 40 and 33 Mets. They luckily walked away with the split. Jacob DeGrom gets absolutely shelled this weekend with the worst outing of his season. He gave up two runs. The Mets offensive woes are keeping this division wide open. And after a one-game makeup with the Nats, they take on the Braves. This has been your week in review. That Soroka story is just brutal. I feel so sorry for him. Obviously, we're all Nats fans here. Everybody hates the Braves as a matter of principle. But that story sucks. Um, he was just getting back, already had another injury, and then just walking. I mean, how do you trust that again if you're this kid, you know, when he has another surgery? It's, he's going to be out a year, is what I heard today, on MLB Network Radio, which means he's not even going to be eligible to come back until next summer, you know, midseason. And, you know, how do you even come back from that? How do you trust that tendon again when you ruptured it again just walking? Yeah, I don't know the you know the the history of Achilles injuries especially when you injure it twice it's now yeah i was going to say how strong is that muscle or, or that that tendon anymore i would imagine it must not have been strong to begin with if he tore it again walking so the fact that you have so much movement while pitching and especially at the level that obviously Mike Soroka does or has pitched I don't think that's really something you can come back from, to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of brutal, but you it's the first thing I thought when I heard the story. Like, is he done for good? Like, is this because he's such a promising player and, you know, you just you hate to see that happen to a guy who's young and has a really promising career in front of him. But like, it seems to me he might be done done. Yeah, there was a study that Jeff Passan tweeted out about people who had complete ruptures of their Achilles twice. And after the second time, like people even had trouble just walking. It's Tufts injury once. Um, it was really wild because like his body like completely rejected the sutures. At, sorry, the sutures after the first surgery. Oh, wow. So there was complications from that. So they had to have a surgery again. Everything was okay. And then this happened. So just complete bad luck and just horrible things for him. And really hope he can pitch one day again. Yeah, that's brutal. I had no idea he had that many complications after the first one. I mean, it, it had been a while since he's been out. What when was it was like opening day? I think he last had, year, like, right? Was it opening day? It was really early in the season. Yeah, it was year. like first. I thought or second he had start. a couple of starts and then went out. I didn't think it was the maybe his start. third. Yeah, because I think you're right. He got off to a, a pretty good start, and people were saying, "Oh, watch out for Soroka," and then boom, injury, and we just haven't really heard anything since. Um, shifting to a little bit more of a feel-good story, Trey Mancini in the Home Run Derby. I called that. I do want to say I called mm -hmm. that. But I you also did. think it's a good fit as well. It's not like he's just uh, a Gerardo Parra there for a cheerleading aspect and a feel-good story to drive up ticket sales. Like, he actually belongs there. So good for Trey Mancini. Yeah, that is a great feel-good story. You just love to see him having some success and, you know, that's one of those things. How can you how can you root against that guy or be upset he's going to be at the Derby? You absolutely can. Plus, if you're rooting against the Orioles, I mean, what are you really doing with your life? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're one of those such a non 
factor that why would you even waste your time rooting against them or your exactly enemy? exactly <laughs> yeah well so the Nats are in second place and that's a you know that's a big change I really had higher hopes going into this weekend than a split <laughs> with the Marlins yeah it's it's tough so my expression of uh, it's just perfect <laughs> like mm-hmm. you couldn't well I mean like they got lucky to split um they lost back-to-back games and luckily they hit Alcantara very well today who had gone eight plus innings and back-to-back starts he went eight innings four of a six they hit him around for five runs so that was great but the series was frustrating like you had an opportunity to keep this momentum going and win a very winnable series you split it so like that's that but also what's more frustrating in that is John Lester struggled again. He went two and a third, gave up seven runs. And, you know, when they signed him here, there was a lot of questions about it. I didn't like the signing right away. I thought he was too old and I saw the money. I was like, whatever. They could have gone younger elsewhere. But the Nats were for, like hyping him up as, oh, he's an innings eater. He averages six innings per start. Like he's going to be so great for us in the back half of our rotation, just eating innings. He's 11 starts and he has hasn't gone past the fifth inning. I'm sorry, past the sixth inning yet. Like he's averaging less than five innings per start. And that's someone who's supposed to be eating innings and helping out your bullpen, but he is taxing your bullpen as well. When your rotation is kind of dealing with a lot right now, you really need John Les to be this inning eater guy, innings eater guy that he was promised to be, and he's not. And it's been extremely frustrating. And it's kind of getting to the point when everyone's healthy. I genuinely believe that John Lester is the odd man out of the rotation when everyone is finally healthy. I was thinking the very same thing that we keep, you know, we've talked about this for uh, months now. Like who's going to be the guy when all six starters are back? <laughs> be nice to have that problem because we haven't had everybody healthy um, to have to make that decision. But it, it's hard to see who else, you know, it's hard to see anybody but Lester being the odd man out at this point. And, if he's supposed to be an innings eater, he's uh, not been very hungry. Yeah. And on that note, Steven Strasser did throw a 25-pitch bullpen today. So, you know, we still might be a ways away. I would imagine they use the all-star break as more of an extension to, you know, work his way back. Uh, but he is on the mend, and we should be getting him back at some point, maybe during July. So that situation we've been kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit with Fetty out for a little bit and obviously Strauss out and then Max out a little bit. Um, that could be coming to fruition here shortly and Lester could be the odd man out. I had a thought in my head, do they release him? Do they DFA him? Um, well, I guess it's it just, just a, a, a release. I don't see them doing that. I feel like Davey would be like, no, just, John Lester means too much to me to be released so he'll be a bullpen guy and how effective is he really going to be as a bullpen guy i guess he's a lefty so maybe but even then what are you really getting out of him yeah i think you're right it if you had somebody else that you plan that you think could do a better job in that roster spot i could see them considering that you're right davy would be against it i think just as a matter of principle but because of his relationship with lester but i don't know who they have that's going to be better to stick in the bullpen, really. And Ryan's absolutely right. I, I know we all talked about this at the time of the signing, but the signing just didn't make much sense, especially 
when you looked at the market at the time of the signing, there were still plenty of other options available. Mm-hmm. We talked uh, about that at the time. Yeah. Taiwan Walker is the name I always bring up and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but just look at what he's doing with the Mets. Yeah. He was a little bit more money, but I would pay $5 million more this season to get the, the production Taiwan Walker has been doing versus what we're getting from John Lester. Mm-hmm. But a couple other n- names for the same price we could have Carlos Rodon from the, or in who's currently performing in the White Sox. He's a no hitter this year. I mean, he, he's been phenomenal, and we could have had him for the same price, and they're both lefties. So if that was really a, a true, you know, swing point for the decision to sign Lester, it's a push because Rodon would have been a lefty. So just goes to show the move didn't make sense. It hasn't played out at all like we had hoped. If anything, you would imagine a team like the Royals signing John Lester to then flip at the deadline to a contender. It didn't make sense for the Nats at all. And – it's just another one of those moves where if we can see it coming, why can't they, you know, they being the people in charge, why couldn't they not see this coming? Just incredibly frustrating. It is. Um, I mean, you make an excellent point. There were, I remember that conversation we had at the time, like why Lester? And I, I think it's just a Cubs East situation. It's yeah. A comfort thing that Davey felt he had that pre-existing relationship with him and knew what he was going to get out of him. But, you know, at this point in the season, you can't call what we've gotten from him anything but a disappointment. And, you know, seeing what those other guys who were available for the same or similar cost are doing, it really does feel like a pretty big screw up to have signed Lester instead of one of those other options. Yeah. And, you know, as as far as the series goes, splitting it is a disappointment. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to claw your way back into the NL East, Splitting is, okay, you'll take it. If it's against the top team in the NL East, not against the worst team in the NL East, but even then the Marlins are pretty decent. Yeah, yeah they're 11 games under 500, but they have a positive run differential, which Their makes no sense. No <laughs> but they have really good pitching. And the fact that you got to Alcantara, who was through five, looking really, really good, and it felt like a game we were going to lose until we finally pushed them cro- uh, some runs across the board. But the fact that you... You know, beat Alcantara, and that was the one game where, like, oh, man, that's really going to take our our A-plus effort to beat him, and we did that, and you only managed to split. It's like, well, damn, man, why why couldn't you do this all weekend and really force the issue? Now we're in a split. We dropped half a game as opposed to where we started the series, and it just feels like more of the same. And it doesn't get easier from here. No, it does not. We we talked a bit before we will a little bit later about their uh, ab- about the schedule coming up and what we're likely to see from them. But um, I did want to talk. We just speaking of the starting pitching about Corbin, who has been kind of kind of enigmatic, I guess this year. I mean, he did have another quality start. The first inning was really bad, made you think maybe he's not going to have it and they're going to have to go to the bullpen early. But he did settle in and and give a quality start. But what are we to make of Patrick Corbin at this? Point? Yeah, that's. That's four straight quality starts for Patrick, which honestly, it's a pretty big deal, especially how he has pitched this year. He is pitching better. Um, he did it against a bad Pittsburgh offense, a bad Mets offense, a bad Marlins offense. But with how he has been this year, he needs that confidence. He needs these starts to keep it going. He now has four straight um quality starts oh excuse me three straights he he did not go six innings at tampa excuse me that's three straight quality starts 
it's good. You know, like he is doing this against teams. He should be doing it against none of those offenses are good earlier in the year. As we saw many times, he was just getting obliterated by everyone. He gave up 10 runs to the freaking diamondbacks and diamondbacks were like three whole months without winning a game. Not literally. They did just win a game though. Congratulations. Diamondbacks. You, you guys won a road game. I'm very proud of you, but it's good. You know, he is, finally pitching better i feel like he's kind of starting to get away from his sinker and the changeup. because as he said that was messing with the slider and his slider is doing well his movement is being consistent um his um excuse me his miles per hour his velocity all that stuff is back to a little more consistent like he's not as effective with the swing and miss outside the zone as we saw in 2019 that's fine but what he's doing right now is still important with how the rotation is with Lester struggling with Eric Fetty going on the IL, which we'll talk about in a second with um, Strauss coming back. Max is only really consistent, really him being able to go out there and give you six innings in the quality start means a lot. And yeah, you got to give props where it's due because we've been pretty hard on them this year. And mm-hmm. these last four starts have been fantastic, honestly. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as fantastic because with what he's getting paid, I still would like to see more from him, but mm-hmm. I will definitely take Well, let me it. ask you this. What about eight in the third inning and one run? Is that fantastic? I, I would like to see it. <laughs> well, he, 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 he I know. I would like to see that. it again. I know. I'm not saying that wasn't fantastic. That was obviously a fantastic – that was a gem of a start. I'm just saying in general – like he's he's rounding back into form, but you just pointed out we're not seeing from him what we did in 2019. Um, yeah, we're not seeing from a lot of these guys what we did in 2019. But I just still feel like if you had said to me this is what you were going to get from Corbin, then I think they overpaid. But I'm happy to see quality starts, and I, I hope he can continue to do that. But still, it feels like a you know solid middle of the rotation guy, and he's not getting solid middle of the rotation guy money. Just looking at the the pitching stats right now, and this is slightly off topic, but just a great example of why pitcher wins and losses are not a a really serviceable stat. John Lester is one in three on the season, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe he hasn't pitched a lot. He's pitched eleven games, has an ERA four nine nine. He's a five ERA, and Patrick Corbin's five and six, which at first glance seems like why. How is he five and six? But Amanda, I think you put it well. An enigma is really what Patrick Corbin's been because he's had those really, really rough stretches, and you know we've talked about it ad nauseum. But he's also had the, those kind of quality starts and, and has put a string of them together recently. I'm still not satisfied, and Amanda, you you hit the the nail right in the head just because of what he's being paid. With that contract, he needs to step up. He needs to be, you know, at worst, a, a high threes ERA kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you take out some of the early starts, it, it's more respectful right now. I believe it's a, a five, five, three ERA or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's five, four going into today, I think. Right. So maybe if you, you filter out some of the early starts and get to the recent starts, it's more of a respectful ERA. But when you're being paid that kind of contract – Excuses aside, you just need to perform. The yeah. same is true for Strauss. I love Strauss to death. He's my favorite player, but he is that, not, that contract doesn't look not good right now. even close, not even sniffing living up to that contract. And that hurts. 
that really hurts. So the same needs to be applied to Patrick Corbin, to, to any other guy on the team that's making money and not performing. And nobody's, you know, exempt from criticism at this point. So Patrick Corbin, while I ha- have hope for him, he needs to do even better than he has done recently. And that's what it comes down to. Well, I got bad news for you. Oh, God. He's he's not going to live up to his con- like the contract. The year he got paid no, off I was know. an outlier. I'm just like, saying what, what this team needs. Right. And his value came in Game 7 of the World Series. Like yeah. That was his best. He's not going to be the guy he was in 2018 or 2019 again. This is more than likely who he is going to be, which sucks because you have a lot of money tied up to him. But the guy who he was in 2018, 2019 is looking more than likely like those were outlier years, which is fine because they got him a World Series, but it sucks because we still got four more years left of this. So, And if he can do what he's been doing Woo! these last four starts, you know, for the rest of this contract, will it feel like he lived up to the contract? No, but I also won't hate it. Do you know what I mean? You say, well, you, you know, you overpaid for a guy a bit, but you got a World Series out of it, and you still got a serviceable starter for the length of his contract. I could live with that if, you know, we see the kind of performances we saw early in the season in the next two, three, four years. That's going to be a really tough one to swallow. Yeah, like I get it that this contract doesn't matter at this point because of what he did in Game 7. I no, That's not lost on me, but he also had a very good 2019 as well during the regular season. He had like a 3-2-5 ERA. I will gladly take that if that's – I mean – that that's really if someone produces a three two five, let's just call it a three five, just for you know the, the ebbs and flows over the life of contract injuries, whatever it may be. If the life of a contract was a three five ERA, hell yeah, sign me up for whatever that contract was. What was it? What was the, the or six years one forty? Was that what it was? I remember it was six years. I can't remember the number. I think it was six years one forty. That that's fine. That's fine for you know, a three, five ERA, but again, we really got one good year and we're not even getting close to that anymore. And again, I understand it doesn't really matter because we got a world series out of it. We always talked about pre 2019. Would you accept 10 years of sucking for one world series? And we all said, rose our hands and said, yes, please, please me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And that happened. So we got to kind of live with it, but just for what this team needs, if they truly are going to be contender, the people that are getting paid need to perform. And maybe they won't live up to the contracts, but they still have jobs to do. They still need to perform in order for this team to do well. Couldn't said it better. So let's hope we continue to see what we've been seeing from him. But, um, you know, somebody we've been seeing who's way outplaying what they've been earning is Eric Fetty. And he went to the IL unexpectedly. I, I was surprised to see that come across Twitter um, this morning to the IL with an oblique strain. I didn't even know he was struggling with anything. This is a little concerning. One, because we didn't hear anything about it. So the fact that we didn't hear anything about it, he didn't try to gut through it. He didn't take a, he wasn't day to day. He just immediately went to the IL. That's concerning. But also that's the fact that it's an oblique. These things tend to linger and linger for a while. So my best guess is he he's going to be out till after the All-Star break. Because you you kind of see this with just this time of year teams use the All-Star break as just an extension for any IL trips or rehab or whatever mm-hmm. because obviously they're not going to be playing games. So it's kind of a built-in rest period for them. The good news is 
I, I have faith that uh, Espino can fill in and provide basically the same thing that Fetty has been doing. Fetty has been great this year, but so has Espino. Espino has been great. So the fact that we kind of have him and he can kind of settle into a starting role with both Strauss and Fetty out now, he's locked in as a starter at this point. So he can kind of get into his role and he doesn't have to worry about warming up in the fifth inning like he did the other day only to pitch the ninth. He can set in, settle into a starting role, hopefully get some momentum, and pump out some nice starts. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. He has been a really nice surprise. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I expect that's who we're going to see. They, they haven't announced anything yet, I don't think, but I'm ex- I don't know who else. Maybe some combination of Espino and Rodriguez. I don't know. How, you know, is Espino fully I – mean, they've been using him out of the bullpen, but he's stretched out as a starter. So, you know, maybe he can give you enough innings to be like yeah, a normal I- start, but – I'd imagine it's Rodriguez to, to fill in the other one because he, they, they didn't um, option him or anything. He, he's been up ever since we called him up or signed him or whatever the acquisition was, he's been up the whole time. So I'd imagine he's kind of that six man utility guy. And now he's going to be a rotation guy going through the stretch. But yeah, the oblique thing is definitely concerning because that is the sort of thing that, that lingers and I especially hate to hear that on a pitcher because right. their mechanics are so delicate and any any pain, discomfort, stiffness that you're feeling in that oblique might lead you to slightly change those mechanics, which can either make you ineffective with your pitches or cause another injury or both. So it is definitely a concerning thing because Betty's been really surprisingly excellent this year, you know, just way more than we expected to get out of him. And, and I hate seeing him go down with an injury, especially when the starting rotation is already in a bit of a jam. Oh yeah. We're going to be tested like no other, this next stretch. And it's not the stretch of the season that we needed to be tested. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is not. It is definitely not. Okay. Let's shift gears just a little bit from pitching and talk about, um, Robles, you know, brutal just pretty is, bad is this is Robles gonna be fixable is he gonna be somebody that they can they can get to perform offensively at a reasonable level or is this just is a ship sailed at this point you have you have to assume that this can get fixed because of his age you can't assume that someone this young is going to be this bad offensively their entire career. Over his last 30 games, he's slashing 212, 350, respectable, 318 slugging. He has 21 strikeouts, one RBI, 18 hits. But then you look at his whole season, which is even more concerning. Um, he almost has 280s. Like it's almost July. And he has zero home runs and only eight RBIs. Like, he's not really making hard contact. He's not really getting the ball, you know, anywhere, really. Like, he has a lot of lazy pop-ups. He's not hitting the ball hard. And there's not a lot of solid contact. And it's just so confusing because he was hailed as this five-tool prospect who's supposed to be a better hitter than Ronald Acuna. And he's not. And it makes it hurt less because his defense is fine. But I want to point out, on the first episode... Nick said he's the next Michael A. Taylor. God, I My, love you. Michael A. Taylor has been better than Victor Robles. Like it's. I it's, saw somebody on Twitter today say that I miss Michael A. Taylor, and I was like, God damn it. No, like, 
So I, I know this is getting brought up. The, on the Twitter trolls got what they wanted. I was wrong. He's worse than Michael A. Taylor. <laughs> they're they're actually incredibly similar right now. Like their their slash lines rather similar. Only difference is Michael Taylor has five home runs. But I've said before, and I'm going to say it again. Victor Robles, his comp is Jackie Bradley Jr. They're going to have the same career arc. Eventually, he's just going to become a late defensive inning sub. Like, if he can't figure this out, there's a place for him on 30 teams if he can't figure out hitting. He plays plus defense in the outfit in center field. That's extremely invaluable. But when you can't hit, there's going to be teams that are just going to have you be that sub. Like, Jackie Bradley Jr. is statistically the worst hitter in baseball this year, but he's also statistically one of the best defensive center fielders. So it's kind of like a give and take how much do you want to risk with it. I think Victor Robles can turn it around. He's very, very young. I think he's just 24. Something is going to click. They said they're working in a cage. He was he worked so long. They gave him Saturday off. Something's got to click. It's been it's been a while. It's been a couple of years. We've been saying this, but you have to believe at some point it's going to click. I hope so. And you know, I it's good to hear that he's working so hard. It makes you feel bad for the guy. Like he seems like a great human. And you know he's working hard. It's not like he wants to suck offensively. But I just don't know if at this point, you know, I know he's only 24, but he's been in the league for a while. You know, I, I don't know what's going to change. And and I hate to say it, but I wonder if he's one of those guys where eventually he ends up on another team and they figure something out that the team here couldn't. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It certainly wouldn't be the first time it's happened to the Nats. I've been waiting all day to talk about this and specifically get to this part of, the, uh, of our show. Because Davey Martinez had another terrible, terrible, terrible managerial decision today. And I feel like it was overlooked because, one, we were up. It was it was the inning we, you know, had two two run home runs, courtesy of Trey Turner and Josh Bell. But, two, maybe it's in part because of Robles. So, today, if you didn't check the box score or weren't watching the game, Scherzer was hitting eighth, Robles was ninth. <clears throat> There was runners on first and third. They intentionally walked Avila to get to Max. It was the top of the sixth. Max wasn't, you know, uh, in jeopardy of being pulled due to pitch count or anything. Davey sent him out there. I'm okay with that decision. Lester had a short outing Friday. The bullpen's a little spent. You don't have an off day for two weeks. Let's let Max hit again, get to the bullpen. We're up. Or, um, sorry, save the bullpen. We're up in the game. Let Max hit. I understand that decision. But the decision not to have him bunt is one that costed. And, again, I don't think people are recognizing that. First and third, Max is swinging. Max is a competitor. He's going to swing. He's going to try to get it and hit. Immediately inning, ending, double play, which anyone could have told you that was coming. Mm -hmm. Why not bunt him over? You have runners on second and third. And at least see what Robles can do. At least see... Maybe Robles gets a pitch to hit because whoever the pitcher was at, at that time doesn't want to put doesn't want to load the bases for Kyle Schwarber. That's the last person you want to want to load the bases for. Why not let Robles hit there? It makes no freaking sense that not only would you not let Robles hit there, you're asking your ace, your starting pitcher, the guy you're depending on to go deeper into the game, to do more than he needs to. So fast forward. Inning, ending, 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 double play. Scherzer goes back out there. What does he do? Immediately walks the, the leadoff guy. He goes 3-0, strike right down the middle, ball four. Walks the second guy. He hadn't walked anyone the entire game and walks two right away. And you're telling me 
that didn't have anything to do with his at bat there, I do not believe you. Davey made a terrible managerial decision right there. And it just, it's these little things that drive me crazy and people defend him because he's a nice guy. I know he's a nice guy. Anyone can be a nice guy. It doesn't mean you're a good ball player, good manager, whatever. It's so frustrating that these are the little things that get covered up by talent. It's the same reason we won 2019. The talent won us the championship. Davey Martinez, great guy. I'm sure he, you know, has command of the locker room because the guys like him. But is he a good manager? No, he is not. And it shows day in and day out. And he does not elevate this team. He's just a, maybe a, if you want to say a glue guy elevates the team, sure, he's a glue guy, but he's not a good manager. It drives me insane that these little things that I can see, and I'm not saying I'm a baseball expert either, but the fact that I can see them and he doesn't, and it, it's costing the team, it's costing Scherzer pitches and high-stress innings when he's the only consistent pitcher you have. It's incredibly frustrating that this just rears its ugly head. I feel like every episode we do, it's so annoying, and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Well, it's hard to argue with any of that. Um, I, you, you said Davey is so likable. He seems like such a great guy, but he does make decisions, I'd say at least two or three times a week when I'm watching the games where I go, why, why, why did you do that? Like, why wouldn't you do this instead? And again, like you said, we're, we're not – we don't work in baseball. We're not, you know, experts who are getting paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. But sometimes if random fan watching can be like, hey, that wasn't the right decision to make there, it is definitely, it's tough to take because there are times, and today it didn't cost them the game, but there have been times where those decisions do cost right. runs, you know. And Just it's like- the kind of thing you can't quantify because right. you can't say, oh, well, if he had done this, maybe this, this, and this would happen. So you can't prove a negative exactly that was the point i brought up for those of you who listened to the matt wyrick interview uh last episode the bullpen management in the the crazy game against the phillies was awful as well but it got covered up because we won right i understand scherzer in his career is a plus hitter among pitchers and it's cool seeing you know pitchers get a hit i understand that max was 0 for 25 this season coming to the game he hasn't had a hit all year didn't have a hit this game and you're letting him swing. I understand Robles might not be the most dependable guy. He's right, but Max terrible is not, He's better but than he's Max. He's better, better than Max. Fight. Like, come on, bro. It's so frustrating. And maybe, again, you can't prove a negative like you just said. Maybe runners on second and third, Robles gets a pitch to hit. Maybe he drives those runs home and that starts something. We'll never know because you took the bat out of his hands. It's, oh, God, it's frustrating. Yeah. Taking the bat out of Robles' hands is not always Normally mistake, that's but in this case that's the thing I would recommend you do, but in that scenario it was the wrong wrong move. It was the wrong thing to do. All right. Um let's talk about the All-Star game. So Soto made the final nine and yes. uh, is, you know, the only Nats finalist. So Trey Turner got hosed. It's not really hosed. Um so Soto is the only Nats finalist. Phase two voting voting is open. Vote a man doesn't really deserve it over some of the other people, but that's okay. Vote him anyways. Um, Trey was not one of the finalists. You no, know, fans got it right with Tatis. 
He's not getting over Tatis. Tatis is on pace for the best seasons for a shortstop ever. Brandon Crawford as well. Um, Javi Baez got the other one. A little questionable. That's okay. Um, yeah, so we had a pretty good Twitter question about Trey Turner, about him being snub, and this comes from at B underscore Randon, who asked, can Trey theoretically get to the All-Star game since the team gets a rep, or am I mistaken? That is true, because after fans vote in every single person, players in the commissioner's office vote and pick all the reserves. So Trey is going to be an All-Star. He's going to be a reserve. This is why I don't understand why people get so upset over fan voting, because every single player who deserves being an All-Star ends up being an All-Star because the commissioner office picks all the people who got snubbed after everything. So Trey will be there. I don't know if Soto will be there. Um, He might get there because of who he is, but Trey at least will be there, and Max will be as well, and that'll probably be their only All-Stars. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think Trey deserves it more than Soto this year. I love him Juan Soto, but you know he is not having an All Star season. Yeah, and really, I, I would agree with Ryan. Trey and Max are probably going to be the only two, but I also think they're the only two that deserve it. Had Kyle Schwarber been doing this over the whole season, maybe there's an argument for him. Shoot, if Josh Bell had been doing this all over the whole season maybe there's an argument for him but right now it's trey and max they've been the two consistent key cogs for this team they deserve it amen so um we have another interview for you guys a special Um, special special one um very tasty so we talked about hot dogs and sandwiches earlier and you're like that's weird why is the baseball podcast <laughs> talking about that that doesn't make sense because in case you guys haven't seen there's been a lot of drama around the ketchup brand at nats park in case you guys haven't had it i haven't had yet um true made food supplies the ketchup and we actually sat down and talked with the ceo of true made foods we had him on and we had a nick and i had a fantastic conversation with him um he told us about the brand just asked some really great questions. It was Big J Journalism at its finest. You guys are going to be incredibly impressed with how well Nick and I were. And, yeah, we hope you guys really, really enjoy this special interview. What's up, everyone? We're joined by Abe Kmark of True Made Foods. Um, it's a fantastic day outside today. Abe, how you doing, man? Great. Thanks for having me here, guys. Really, really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Absolutely. We're happy to have you on, especially with, you know, the season going full swing. Nats are playing pretty well. But so we just want to start off with it. What was the inspiration behind True Made Foods? Yeah, um, well, we love grilling. We love going to ball games. We love barbecue and the family. Um, but we also try to eat really healthy. Right. Um, I've always been a very anti-sugar um, person, um, pro veggies, things like that. And I wanted my kids to eat like that too. Um, and one of the things I wanted them to avoid was, uh, ketchup because ketchup has more sugar than, um, barbecue sauce. I mean, ketchup has more sugar than, sorry, not ketchup has more sugar than ice cream ounce per ounce. Um, it's terrible for you. It's, uh, one of the worst things out there. It's one of the worst things in American fridge, ketchup and barbecue sauce, just, they're like diabetes in the bottle. It's terrible. Um, <clears throat> just all corn syrup. And uh, 
I was trying to get my kids to stop pouring ketchup all over their food and I was losing that battle every night. So I decided if I was going to lose these battles, I better win the war. And uh, I just, um, because we weren't going to stop grilling, we weren't going to stop eating hot dogs or hamburgers, right? So um, I decided to make a better ketchup. And uh, I was, uh, grew up with an Italian mother, uh, learned to cook at a very young age, Sicilian. Uh, we learned to make sauces. And my mom always said that only uh, lazy Italians use sugar in their sauce. Um, real Italian sauces use carrots. And so uh, that's what we did. Um, I thought, you know what, if it works for pasta sauce, maybe it'll work for ketchup. Um, I had to be really careful because I had to make sure it tastes like ketchup. And we were lucky that it did. Uh, we started out with a uh, low sugar product uh, with uh, carrots and butternut squash in it, just cutting the sugar and adding that extra sweetness. And uh, then we moved on and now we have a completely no added sugar product that uses things like apple puree, carrot, butternut squash. Um, so it's packed full of veggies, no added sugar whatsoever, completely healthy, um, but it tastes like ketchup. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be here talking to you all if, you know, if kids didn't need it. Um, I tested everything on five-year-olds, like left and right cousins. Uh, my wife's from Wisconsin, so I tested on all of her cousins from Wisconsin and everything because, you know, got to make sure it, it hits the heartland. Um, that's where ketchup is. And, uh, you know, it, people loved it. So, and the kids eat it like crazy. Um, they didn't notice a different, they didn't skip a beat. And so I thought, you know, this could work. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, people are resistant to change, but different doesn't necessarily mean, you know, worse or anything. So, uh, we definitely like to see, you know, people kind of stepping out of the box, stepping out of, uh, you know, the quote unquote comfort zone of society and making something new and different. And in this case, healthier. So that's a, a good alternative. Um, obviously, you know, you have the contract with the Nats, which is why we're talking here. Um, what are some long-term goal and, and the Red Sox as well? Uh, what are some long-term goals for your company? Where do you kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to turn this into like a job interview, but where do you see yourself in five years? What do you, you know, envision for your company and kind of how it's going to grow? Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I hope it keeps growing. I hope we can do well. Like, like you said, like some people um, are resistant to the change initially. Um, but the thing that encourages us is that kids love our products. Kids love the ketchup. Kids are the biggest eaters of ketchup. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> older people, tend to be a little bit more resistant initially because they've grown up with like the Heinz and the Heinz flavor. And sometimes they're just resistant to change in general. Um, usually we can convert them once they learn more about the company and that we're local and that, you know, <clears throat> all the great things that we do um, and how well we try. Uh, but, you know, we're not trying to make people eat anything bad. We want, and that's one of the reasons I got into this business too, is that um, I was really frustrated with the natural food world just making really bad food um, and expecting people to like it. And, uh, you know, uh, we want to be a flavor first company where we're cooks and chefs and things. And like, we want things to be uh, flavor first. We want things to be happy for our families. So we test it out significantly before going forward. Um, but yeah, we, so with that, like, you know, we want to bring flavor back um, and health back. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where it's either um, the, people think everything has to taste good or it has to be healthy for you. And that's not the way it should be. I mean, that's not the way I was raised with real food, you know, cooking. And if you go back 50 years, you go back the way your grandma cooked or your great grandma cooked, like everything was healthy. You know, there wasn't sugar in everything all the time. Um, you know, it, sugar was expensive. It was a luxury that people barely used. And uh, now it's everything and everywhere because it's cheap and it's easy. Um, 
and I think we can go back to the way people cooked it before and it was really good. And, you know, that's the way we're, what we're trying to do and trying to return things to their kind of their roots, um, get back to the old ways of cooking, the old world, the old Southern ways too. Um, my, my dad's side of the family is from Lou Ray, Virginia. And so, you know, I have a lot of some, I come from like a Southern Italian and a Southern Virginia type of, uh, culinary background that I was raised on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's what we're trying to return to, trying to get back to these these old ways of cooking. Um, and I'm hoping to see the company keep growing. Like, I would love to see this adopt. I'm, uh, you know, obviously, I started it because we had grand dreams of, of doing something big. And that's why we, we went with the Nats. Um, the Nats came to us. Uh, first, the Red Sox came to us. Um, they actually reached out to us. We didn't. We weren't pitching baseball stadiums at the time. We weren't trying to get in. I always dreamed of being in a baseball stadium as our products, but um, didn't think we were ready. And but then the Red Sox reached out to us, and so I thought, you know, can't turn down this opportunity right now. We got to try to make the best of it. And so we went with them. And as soon as the Nats found out about the Red Sox um, contract, and they knew that we were local, they found out that we were local here in Virginia, um, you know, they came to us and asked us to do it too. So, you know, we're hoping we would love to be able to replace Heinz out there everywhere else. I'm, I think it'd be great for America. Um, you know, it's frustrating. I'm a veteran and, you know, it's, it's frustrating seeing what's happening to the health of our nation. Uh, two thirds of the American population can't qualify for um, military service right now, um, mostly because of metabolic diseases, obesity, metabolic disease, type 2 diabetes. Um, kids are getting fatty liver disease, which like crazy, which used to be only endemic of alcoholics in their 60s. And mm -hmm. uh, now you're seeing like 10-year-olds with fatty liver disease, um, thanks to all the corn syrup in our diet. Uh, so this is something, it's a crisis that's happening out there. And, you know, again, like we aren't going to go eating kale and quinoa salads left and right, but we can still keep eating barbecue and hot dogs and uh, burgers and going, you know, and having great food and family events and ball, eating out of ballparks. If we just make these small changes and, you know, do something like eat a healthier ketchup. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you said something that, um, you know, kind of got me thinking is that kids love your product. And, you know, with that, if in, in theory, if the kids, only ever tried true made foods, ketchup, wh whatever product it is, they wouldn't know any different, right? So, yeah, you and know. Get, and kids who have, like, been raised in our product, when they try a different ketchup, like a Heinz, they get shocked, actually. Right, by, right, um, yeah. The extra sweetness um, and don't like it. Um, so it's uh, – and the great thing is, like, our, our – I, and I can understand people's hesitation about a new ketchup because there have been a lot of healthier, quote unquote, healthier ketchups that right. haven't, haven't tasted good in the past. Um, so obviously, you know, but um, our product tastes really good. I mean, it does, it hits that balance. Ketchup's very hard to do because there's this like perfect balance of umami, salty, and spicy, uh, mm -hmm. or sorry, sweet that you have to hit and trying to hit that without the sugar is very difficult. But like we, we managed, I think, to do a really good job. Um, yeah. We, we didn't have a great launch in the Nats Park, I think, unfortunately, because I think um, there was everything was rushed trying to get ready for the season. The pumps were rushed. Everything was rushed. Um, I hope people are being patient with the people at Nationals Park. They're trying their best. Um, but you know, like anywhere, like restaurants, hotels, anything right now, everybody's struggling trying to open up so quickly after COVID, after being shut down for so long. Um, you know, and we were given like two weeks and the pump supplier was given two weeks to, to launch and be ready for opening day. And 
Um, there were definitely some screw-ups. Um, something was going wrong with the pumps that was causing the ketchup to get mixed in or to get contaminated, and so there were some bad flavors out there. So if you've tried it before and you didn't like it, please go back and try it again. Um, or, you know, we'll send you some coupons or, you know, email us and we'll send you some coupons. You can try it for free. Um, you yeah, know, we, we really believe in the product and we really believe that, you know, if you give it a chance, you'll like it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to Nats Park this week. I'm going to see the Dodgers play. I'm a big nacho and taco guy at the ballpark, so I haven't tried any of the ketchup. I actually don't remember the last time I had ketchup at Nats Park. Mm -hmm. But what would you say is the best food to pair this with? You say fries, hot dog. If you put ketchup on a hot dog kind of person, a burger, even steak and cheese, what's the best food to pair this ketchup up with? I mean, me personally, for the ketchup, I'm a fries. I'm a fries guy all the way with ketchup. Um, that's me personally. I would never put uh, ketchup on a hot dog myself. See, I'm a big ketchup on hot dog, hot dog kind <laughs> so of guy. So am I. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, my kids put ketchup on hot dogs and stuff like that too. So I, that's you know, that's the balance. I see and again, like we're a family first company, so we understand that and we appreciate that, and we're here to support the parents and the kids. Um, but yeah, no, like. Uh, for me personally, I'm all about the French fries. You know, get those Shake Shack French fries and put our ketchup on it, and you know, blow you away. Or and the burgers too, burgers as well. You know, that burger, great burger is a good has a good complement between the mustard, ketchup, you know, and onions on it. And so that's that's what I love right there. Yeah, I I love you know ketchup on just about anything. So I'm eager to try. It. I'm actually heading to the ballpark this week for the first time this season as well. So I'm definitely going to make sure I, I try it. Um, you alluded to it a little bit, so I just want to kind of open up the floor. We don't have to get too deep into it, uh, you know, what went on on Twitter, because like our, our third co-host, Amanda, says Twitter is a cesspool. <laughs> um, so, and, and, you know, that that's very much true. There's Twitter trolls all over if you're if you're not careful. Um, and and you, you talked about, you know, the, the possible bad batch uh, earlier in the season that, um, you know, some Nats fans might have encountered uh, what, you know, if, if you could do all that over again, obviously you would have a good batch, but um, you know, what's kind of your message to Nats fans going forward. And uh, if you could redo the the whole Twitter thing, how, how would you handle it now? Uh, I mean, I guess for part of it, I, w I would ignore it. You, you start to realize that, that uh, well, one, I, I definitely like, I think we had some really good engagements with, the, some of the people who complained early on um, and uh, we got turned some people around um, one guy uh, we sent him a free bottle um, after he complained and he admitted on Twitter that like this was much better than what he tried in the park so he must have had like one of the bad pumps um, one of the pumps that went bad um, so obviously he's, he's still um, said he's a Heinz fan but you know he said this is not something to complain about talking about our ketchup which we think is a win considering how radically different our, our product is um, and, uh, and that's what really what we're going for. You know, we're, we don't want anybody complaining about the product. Like we're a flavor first company. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can keep your personal preferences, but as long as you're happy with it at the ballpark, that's what we're good with. Um, obviously there is like one or two trolls that are completely <laughs> out, of, out of line. Right. And, um, you realize that, uh, you know, you try to win them over like the other person. Cause you, at first you just think that they're a regular person and then they realize that they're just trying to get attention and that's it. Um, and really they're just trying to get attention and trying to build their own them so that they feed off of this type of attention. So you want to suck that air out of that oxygen out of the room for them. Um, yeah. And it's unfortunate because I feel like they're going to be ruining it for other people, but 
you know, that's life, I guess, on Twitter. Yeah, that's that's the life. It <laughs> <laughs> really is. So. <laughs> um, so we know you guys have catch up, but what other products do you ha- guys have and where can people buy, uh, find them? Oh, yeah, well. We have a whole line of barbecue sauces. We have six barbecue sauces. Our, my co-founders oh, wow. in, in the business are from North Carolina. It's the legendary pitmaster Ed Mitchell and his son Ryan. Um, probably the most famous pitmasters ever to come out of North Carolina. Um, they are. They brought back whole hog barbecue. Um, they are going to be opening up a new restaurant in uh, Raleigh in 2022 called the uh, the Preserve. Um, amazing things. These guys are legends. Um, you can see them highlighted in Michael Pollan's uh, Netflix documentary, Cooked, under the fire piece um, episode. <clears throat> Great people. And obviously, you know, like if they're coming back behind our products and things like this, it has to taste good. Like these guys are, you know, uh, you know absolute barbecue legends, um, award-winning. And um, our um, barbecue sauces um, have won multiple awards too. Our, our Kansas City-style barbecue sauce, which you can find at Nats Park, um, has won Best Barbecue Sauce in D.C. multiple times in a row from the D.C. Metro Cooking Show from the fan voting. And then uh, <clears throat> our Carolina Gold, which you can find at um, Whole Foods, um, is a uh, one second in the nation this year from the National Barbecue Association uh, Barbecue Awards. Um, then we have a, multiple other regional flavors of barbecue sauce. Um, all of them are no sugar, low sugar. Our Kansas City style is a low sugar product, and the rest of our barbecue sauces are all no added sugar but they're all authentic regional recipes really kind of highlighting and paying homage to the history of barbecue in this country. Um, so you have like, yeah, we have an Eastern Carolina style, which is all vinegar, the Carolina gold, South Carolina, Carolina red, which is Western North Carolina. And then um, we have a Texas and a Memphis as well. And we just launched this year. If you're lucky enough to live near a Sprouts, uh, you can buy all six all um, available on a Sprouts. Um, otherwise, uh, the KC barbecue is available at, say, at uh, Safeway and um, <clears throat> the Fresh Market and Whole Foods. Um, and the uh, the Carolina Gold and a few others are available at uh, the Carolina Red, sorry, the Memphis are available at Fresh Market. And the Carolina Gold is available at Whole Foods. Um, we're hoping to get the rest of the barbecue sauces and the Safeways and the Giants around here shortly. Um, we also have an amazing uh, set of mustard that we launched this year just for the Red Sox and the Nats. Um, we have um, three, three types of mustard. We've got a yellow mustard, basic ballpark mustard, um, a Bavarian-style mustard, which we call which is a brown or a deli mustard. Um, the Bavarian-style, like we went back to the old German recipes, um, really researched to find out, like, what are the original recipes from Germany, from southern Germany, um, where these mustards originated and, you know, pulled in those original spices like juniper berry and things and used some apple, which is what some of the original German recipes used to, um, to counter the, the spiciness of that, that mustard. Um, so, and then we have an awesome, awesome honey mustard, uh, which literally it tastes like um, a Chick-fil-A mustard, but it's completely healthy for you. Obviously it has honey in it, um, but other than the honey, there's no other added sugars whatsoever and there's veggies in every single one of our products so we're putting carrots and butternut squash in all of our products so parents can parents can get happy that their kids are eating a little bit of extra veggies in every bite and uh, you know if you're you're really hardcore um uh about eating unhealthily you can gen- justify eating our ketchup barbecue sauce and mustard as your way of getting veggies in your diet because <laughs> Yeah, well, now now you're like talking, um, you know, my kind of area expertise because I love barbecue. I mean, you go to to any barbecue place, you're gonna see 
at least four different kinds of sauces, you know, on any table. So the fact that you guys have what six, right? Six, yep. Six. So I mean, you guys are are doing it right. Like there shouldn't just be one type of barbecue sauce. So I'm very, very excited to uh to try those out. I don't live near a Sprouts, unfortunately. I haven't seen a Sprouts in a long time. <laughs> I, I forgot that that was available, but there is a fresh market in Safeway near me, so I'm definitely gonna go try those. Um, Abe, we want to wrap up, kind of uh, just like one you know, overarching message to, to Nats fans and anyone listening to this podcast about your brand, what you're trying to do, just kind of open up the floor for anything you, you might want to say. I, I hope, I, I just, I hope everybody can get behind us and get excited that, you know, the next great catch-up or the next great food company can be coming right out of here, right in, right out of Alexandria, Virginia, um, as a local DMV company. And, you know, I hope, people can get excited and get excited and get behind the product and really will help support us. You know, we're here, we want to give back to the community. We're, um, we're community first, family first. Um, we want, we're, we're planning to start supporting, um, youth sports programs, things like that. Really try to, uh, you know, help develop fitness and health in the area in in a fun and healthy way. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, please, you know, follow us and uh, support us. Find our products um, everywhere: um, Harris Teeter, Whole Foods, uh, or Ketchups and Giant and Safeway, Harris Teeter, Whole Foods, um, and uh, please uh, and Fresh Market, obviously, um, and uh, and Wegmans, uh, and reach out if you need anything or if you have any questions or you know if you want a coupon and you want to try uh, risk-free, we're happy to help. But uh, yeah, I hope people can get excited that the number one maybe possibly the next great food company could come out of the DMV. Yeah, I was kind of shocked uh, when we were, you know, corresponding. Uh, I grew up in the, the same neighborhood that you, you, you're you living in now, so that's pretty awesome. It feels like, you know, someone from, from my borough made it or something like that. <laughs> great neighborhood, too. Really <laughs> yeah, amazing stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's such a great region and such a great area. Um, mm-hmm. It really deserves more to be seen more as a, you know, than just a, a government town. You know, I think we can do so much more here in the DC area. We have so many capabilities, so many core competencies here that, um, you know, so many, so much great talent. And um, I hope we can really, you know, maybe we can change the world right here from, uh, from uh, Northern Virginia. I love it. Absolutely. Well, Abe, Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and coming on and speaking with us. It was fantastic to talk with you and learn more. You guys can give them a follow on Twitter at TrueMadeFoods, and you can head over to their website at TrueMadeFoods.com. And next time you guys are out grocery shopping or on Amazon, make sure you guys order or buy some of their great products. Thank you so much, man, for coming on, and hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Yep. Take care, man. Once again, big thank you for Abe for coming on and talking about his company. Make sure you guys continue supporting your small and local businesses and support True Made Foods. As I said in the outro, you guys can find them online in grocery stores or at Amazon and try it out yourself. I'm going to try out to catch up soon. I want to see what all the hubba baloo is and what the hype is. I'm pretty excited to see it because I like drama. There's been a lot and also really, really love small businesses so i'm excited to try it i do want to make one note at the time of the interview i had not tried the ketchup since then i have and i am ready to throw my flag down on one side or the other i am impartial i feel like ryan and i were great at being impartial throughout the whole interview abe was a nice guy glad to talk to him 
but I wasn't going to say the brand was good. I had never tried it. So I needed to go and try it so I could plant my flag one way or another. Honestly, I liked it. Truthfully, again, impartially, I, I liked it. I Not a, a huge stickler for ketchup. I didn't understand the whole hubba blue, like Ryan says, when it happened. It tastes like ketchup to me. The consistency is, is different. If you're looking at it, it kind of looks like a little bit like cocktail sauce, but it tasted like ketchup. I had it with fries, which I feel like is a pretty good barometer for tasting ketchup, and it was good. So for those of you who maybe saw the out, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The the backlash, outrage, outrage was the word I was looking for. The outrage on Twitter over the ketchup stirred up by a few. Don't rush to judgment yet. If you just listened to that interview, you heard Abe say that they did have a, a problem with the bad batch at the beginning of the season, which is around the same time everyone started complaining about the, the ketchup. Just give them a chance. If you don't like it, that's fine. Just stay open to it. Abe's going to the game. If you're listening to this Monday night, he can be there answering your questions. Just be open to it. But I liked it, so I just wanted to go out there and say that and support my guy, Abe, now a recurring guest on the podcast. But speaking of this pod, great, great podcast, that interview and all of our interviews are presented in part by Manscaped. Summer is here, and if you're not ready to unveil your beach pod yet, you're in luck because our friends at Manscaped have launched their fourth-generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You can use it for your family jewels or wherever else. It is the best tool for men's grooming. The 4.0, you heard that right. Complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And get ready for the summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our code, our card, our code, no one else's code, HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. There's absolutely no reason you shouldn't do this. If you're going anywhere, doing anything, even if you're just staying at home, there's a Manscaped product for you. So go check out their website, find something you like, find something you just want to try. Give it out, take it for a test drive, see how it goes. Use our promo code HSHA20 for your product. I guarantee you will love it. So go on, do that now, right now. Pause the podcast, do it right now. Get it done. Well, that is something you're going to love. You give it a try. Something that we might not love is the road ahead for the Nats. This is an absolutely brutal stretch of the season upcoming. Um, seven, the next 17 straight games are against teams that are above 500. Um, we got the Padres, we got the Dodgers. There's a lot of tough, tough games in their future. What Brutal. do we expect? So just to run through it fully, just in case not everyone knows, the Nats play a makeup game against the Mets. After that, they play two against the Rays. They then have a four-game set against the Dodgers fantastic doesn't get much better then they go out west for four against san diego three against the giants that they have the all-star break then they open up the all-star break with three against san diego at home so this is brutal this is the toughest stretch of the entire season um probably the toughest for you know a lot of teams that is a lot of playoff teams sorry let me rephrase that those are the four best teams in baseball mm-hmm um, it doesn't get much harder than this. You also have the fact that the Nats are 11 and 20 against teams above 500 this year. This is make or break. 
Like if you're buying at the deadline, you have to win most of these games. If you don't, guess what? The Nats are more than likely going to be out of it and they're going to be selling at the deadline. So we're going to find out who this team is coming up and we're also going to figure out what they're going to do. It's going to be fun. It's coming at a fantastic time. Not really. Eric Fetty just hit the IL. This team has a lot of question marks with this rotation. There's a lot of inconsistency in the offense. It's going to be fun. This is going to be pretty good baseball because we're seeing a lot of the best teams, like I said. There's going to be a lot of superstars on the field each night, and I'm excited. Let's just have fun, and hopefully they can find a way to win 10 of these games. I I don't know if they can, but I'll, I'll hope they can win at least 10. Yeah, 10 out of 17, that's kind of a tall order. That That's probably the mark you're looking at, though, to be right where you want to be and come the All-Star break. And just to take a quick peek past the all-star break, you get San Diego again, right out of the break, which obviously is a very good team. And then you get Miami right after that, who we weren't even able to take the series from when we're quote unquote playing well. So if you get down after those playing tough stretch, I mean, if you couldn't beat them when you're playing well, what makes you think you can win a series from them when you're theoretically not playing so well. So it doesn't get any easier even after the break, really. Ryan put it perfectly. It's make or break. If you are who you say you are, if you want us to stay with you, do what you need to do, and that's beat beat good teams, which you have not been able to do. This stretch has been padded by beating up on teams like the Pirates, um, who else? The, the Phillies, who are a laughing stock most times. I mean, this has been a good stretch. Don't get me wrong, but this, like we said last episode the sample size is too small to you know extrapolate over the course of a season any team can have a good two-week stretch so if you want to prove everyone that you are here that you are legit you got to do what you got to do and you got to yeah win at least 10 games that that's the mark you want me back in for for the, the the Nats players that their sole motivation is how do I get Nick back in on the season you got to win 10 games or more. I'm going to shake your hand th- through my computer right now. You win 10 or more games in this next stretch, I'm back in on the season. All right. Done deal. So that's write it down. So here's my biggest concern about this stretch is obviously we just went through the schedule. It's crazy. Um, I don't think they can win 10 games in this stretch. I would be, I think eight is probably the high watermark, but love to be wrong. But they're looking up at the Mets who are in first place and have been treading water with a truly awful offense right now. But their schedule goes one against the Nats, then they get the Braves, the Yankees, the Brewers, then they get four against the Pirates, the All-Star break, then three more against the Pirates. And then they get Cincinnati and then the Blue Jays. That's the Mets schedule? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have a very easy stretch coming up while we have the hardest stretch of the season. It's hard for me to see how the Nats come out of this anywhere close to hanging around 500 or hanging around with the Mets. This is going to be the Mets opportunity to break free. Their guys are saying, hey, stay with us. This is about to, you know, we're going to break out. We're going to get things going. If they're going to get it going, it's going to be in this stretch. And I am very, I don't know, pessimistic that the Nats can hang with the Mets here. I think this could be the time when the Mets start to run away with it. I will say that, that in our show doc, we put, can they at least go nine and eight in the stretch, which feels very Nats 
to do. They go nine and eight. They're 500 heading into the all-star break. And there's all this chatter about, you know, an August run, a September run to sneak into the playoffs, to backdoor their way in. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It would just be so peak Nats for that to happen. Not not the the playoffs part. That's very much not Nats, but just the nine and eight, just barely just above average. Around, right? Just barely above average to to warrant a, a not fire sale or just a not sale at the deadline. Just would be peak Washington sports. Yeah, I, I think that could very well be what happens. Um you know, obviously, if they can win 10 or more, then I would say this team is maybe better than we think they can be. If they lose, I don't know, if they only win seven out of this next 17 or something, I think you then have to say, okay, you know, maybe they need to be sellers. But again, we've talked about this before. I don't think they're going to really be sellers, even if we say, hey, they're clearly not going to make a run here we should sell. I don't think that's what the team is going to do. The team always looks and says, Hey, we're only five back or, Hey, we're only, you know, three games under 500. We can still, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. I don't know. I don't see them being sellers, at least not in any meaningful way, regardless of what happens, unless they have an epic collapse in this next stretch. I don't think they're going to. You mean like lose all 17 games? <laughs> right. Well, maybe even not that epic. Go, go full on like, Diamondbacks. <laughs> maybe something like win six and lose 11. Like even that, I don't think would be an epic enough collapse for them to. Yeah, six games under. Now that's still too much of a, a striking like really, distance, honestly, so to speak. have to lose pretty much all 17 games for them to be like, okay, we're on a horrible we're on a horrible run and you know we're way out of it. Let's sell. I really think it would take something that dramatic. Not even then, they'll be like, all right, well, who else was here? Uh, let's just bring back uh, Brian Dozier and then, like, Anibal Sanchez and, like, all the other stuff. And, like, that's trying to get that do. lightning back in that bottle. <laughs> you know that the other thing I was thinking today was pre-pandemic even, post-2019, post your first World Series title, Mike Rizzo really looked at this lineup and said, you know what? I can replace Anthony Rendon and Starlin Castro and Eric Thames. Like, he legit looked in the mirror and said, I could do that and it'll be fine. Imagine, imagine if we, well, let me preface this by saying I can say I was probably wrong in the Kyle Schwarber deal. I didn't think it would, I wasn't expecting the stretch at all. And so if he can continue anything like this, I will have been wrong in the Kyle Schwarber deal. I admit that. But just imagine if we didn't have that production right now. Yeah, I mean, that has been the one thing that sparked this offense and made this last right. two-week stretch fun. But imagine if we weren't having this, if it was just continuing the way it had been earlier in the season. I mean, I I think this last two-week run is probably why they won't be sellers at the deadline. I don't think, in, in, like you said, in lieu of a complete collapse between now and the All-Star break, which I don't think they're going to have, I mean, now in the trade deadline, um, I don't think they're going to be sellers. And I think that this little stretch will be why. They go, see, look what these guys can do. We just have to give them the opportunity. Yeah, we split with the Dodgers. We're in this. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. So it's going to be a really tough stretch. Ryan, you're right. It is going to be fun, at least theoretically. It might be fun to start if they've lost, you know, like six out of eight. When we get a little bit into it, it's probably not going to be as much fun. But we'll have to see what happens. This team has surprised us before. Let's hope they've got some more surprises in store for us. 
I, I'm not even sure I want more surprises from this team. <laughs> it's I don't know. A... Some of the surprises have been fun. Kyle a fun surprise. I am out on the season, so I guess it doesn't matter to me. That's true. Unless. Unless. They can win 10 out of the next 17. Agreed. I'm a man of my word. All right. Um, okay, before we get out of here, let's see. we got to do one big thing. What do you guys got this week? I got um, nothing besides um, let's do it. It's go time. <laughs> What's, I don't know what, how big what that they, is, um, but. What do they say NASCAR? Like, gentlemen. Start your own. Yeah, when you're on the Intimidator 305. Oh, start your uh, yeah. yeah. It's go time, baby. Let's do it. All right, my one big thing is the Olympics are coming up, and I love the Olympics. I can't wait to watch the gymnastics. is my favorite in the Summer Olympics. Also, the swimming. Can't wait. Also, there's baseball. I mean, if you're talking Edwin about things. Jackson, woohoo! I think if you're talking about things coming up, uh, Big Brother is much more important than the Summer Olympics. I've never so, seen a single episode of Big, big Brother. Big Brother starts uh, July 7th. It's all new cast, so tune in for that. Um I completely forgot my one big thing because I was just doing a free ad read for Big Brother. Um, <laughs> no free ads. Yeah, I, I'll I'll piggyback off what Ryan said. Um, just to piggyback off that, uh, yeah, let's go do this. Let, let's go Nats and, and see if we can't win at least 10 games. I would like to see it. All right. Well, thank you to all of you who are listening. We appreciate you guys so much. Please be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you always know when we post new episodes. Um, check us out on Twitter. The show's account is at Half Street High Heat, and the website is HalfStreetHighHeat.com. Make sure you're checking that out daily. There's always good stuff out there. And uh, have a good night, guys. We'll talk soon. Let's go now. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go
know, a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 